Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking, so why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey everybody, it's Neil I from The Vergecast. On this week's interview episode, Verge senior transportation reporter Andrew Hawkins and I sat down with Lime co-founder and executive chairman Brad Bow. You probably know Lime. They're one of the big scooter companies that are taking over our cities with the little electric scooters. They're super fun to ride. I love them. We talked to Brad about why scooters, why they appeared so suddenly, where they came from, how he's managing fleets of expensive hardware in cities around the world, what's next for safety, what's next for the company, and importantly, when they're coming to New York. That's on the Vergecast interview episode. Check it out. Okay, we're here with Brad Bao, who's the co-founder and executive chairman of Lime. Welcome, Brad. Thank you, and great to be here. Very excited to talk about the uh, you know future of urban mobilities. Yes, I'm very excited to ask you many questions about scooters because I love them. All right. I love them unashamedly. Uh, <laughs> and I don't. I, New York doesn't have them yet, so every time I go to a city with them, we're talking to them now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, real quick, I just want to start at the very beginning. You were an investor at Tencent. You were in China. That's your background. And you came here and mm-hmm. you started a scooter company. Just walk me through the process of starting Lime. Like, why scooters? Why go from investor to being an entrepreneur? All of that. Give me the journey. Yeah, sure. The uh, well, first of all, that the the way I see myself is that I've been an entrepreneur all the time. So before Lime, that I co-founded a venture capital fund as well. You know, different forms still a startup. And at Tencent, that I came over here in the, to the Silicon Valley in 2003, and I was the first and only employee for Tencent outside of China. So to me, it's a startup as well, but mm-hmm. backed by a big company that I started. And that gave me a lot of thoughts on what technology can do, right? I firmly believe that technology can be leveraged to improve our our life, real life, not just a virtual in the cloud, but the real life we live in every day. And therefore, that is reflected in Lime as well, that everything we do has a positive impact in the real life that we live and also has a opportunity that we can create for users to connect better with each other, better with the uh, the neighborhoods and better with the city they live in. Every day we got stuck in the traffic, the uh, congestion is getting worse, the pollution is getting worse, and there's no solution for it. And for us as the user, there's not even a alternative. You eat, either end up like running or you end up like in Uber and stuck in the traffic. And that really triggers our passion about how we combine technology and, and provide a very affordable and accessible 
solution for the urban you know, transportation. You know, in the U.S., it's strikingly that in the urban environment, that more than 50% of the traffic is less than two to three miles, and 70% of the U.S. traffic is single occupancy. And you add up that together, right? There's no reason we have to travel down a mile or two in in a 4,000-pound car <laughs> and produce the, you know, the pollutions and the congestions. And I really like one of the... Uh, uh, saying is that you're not in the traffic, you are the traffic. Yeah. So the question here is that how do we change that, right? We can, you know, complain about the traffic on a daily basis and still live our life the, the old way, or we can proactively change it. And that's how we started Lime. So you were saying right before we started that you actually started as Lime Bike and your first products were bicycles. Tell me about the shift to scooters. What, when did you see that scooters were actually more compelling, more interesting. It seems like there weren't any scooter companies, and now there are lots of them. How did you make that shift? I won't categorize as a shift, but rather a journey of exploring what is the best for the users. So we started a company as Lime, not Lime Bikes, but you know, initially what we the the initial product we had was bikes, right? So we put a Lime onto, you know, app stores and in in the search, and it's just not search friendly that we show up like. <laughs> Ranking 30,000 or <laughs> 130,000, and we want to make it clear to the user, therefore, that we change it to Lime Bike for uh, for the user, you know, uh, discoveries. And then later on, that we launched the e-bikes, and we launched the scooters. We're testing the EVs and many other more uh, mode of modalities, and therefore, that the Lime Bike doesn't apply anymore. So we revert it into Lime. <laughs> And that, yeah, that's how we came about. But when did you decide that you were going to do scooter? Because you're known for scooters. Was there a meeting? Were you all at a whiteboard? Someone said, I, I found this scooter. Or was it mm-hmm. uh, a more rigorous sort of discovery? It's a combination of both. So before we start a company, I have a, a kind of like a pyramid, right, of a product. So product metrics. And the product metrics says this, the shorter the distance and the lower the price that should potentially have the uh, the broader user case, and which in that case is many pedal bike. And the longer the distance, which, uh, you know, let's say a mile or two with power assistant and all that at a little bit higher price, it will be e-bikes and potentially scooters. And longer than that, you know, somewhere between two to five miles, which covers mostly most of the cities, it should be a, a electric vehicle. And that's still more affordable and uh, eco-friendly. But the other side of that is really when we hear from the users that they, they feel they're not only just more free and also uh, um, saves them more time, but also more importantly is that they, you know, user tell us that they feel they're Superman. They feel they're <laughs> empowered. <laughs> but for Lime, it's not about bikes or scooters or EVs. It's about how we concentrate on the product and the user need and, and develop the services that really serve them better. Hey, Brian, this is Andrew. Hey, Andrew. Uh, about specifically, when did you realize that you had a revolutionary product here? Because I don't think anyone initially thought that the scooters were going to catch on the way that they did. But then eventually it was very clear that this was going to be something that was really going to sort of take over cities in a way that hadn't really been done since perhaps Uber and Lyft came around. And so what, what, was, what was the point that you realized that this was uh, more than just maybe a fun recreational way for people to get around, but was actually starting to um, have an impact in, uh, on the way that people were uh, sort of using transportation as a whole 
um, in cities. What, what was was there like a specific point that you that you that you looked at this and said, "Oh my gosh, this is really a lot crazier than we thought it was going to be." Yeah, I think the uh, the series of moments that further enhance that and and help us to you know understand that. But I I would refer to a few moments. That one is initially we have a really small fleet to test out the market. We only have like twenty ish. Right for the first batch uh, on the first day, that we increase it dramatically very quickly. But you know, when we go into the street uh, to deploy the vehicles, it's not we you know similar to other services. You put on the street and you you watch whether user walk up to it and wandering and then pick it up. Right, <laughs> we see users lined up. And the scooter never touched the ground. It literally just hand over to the users. So that popularity gives us a strong hint that how, you know, welcomed the service could be. And the second part that to me personally is really the broader user base. We are committed to provide a service not just to a, a, a niche group, but rather a common transportation means for everyone. So the moment we saw that, you know, our female rider that start to pick up way more than the average like bike you know commuter in uh, in terms of female and the uh, uh, most senior citizens jumped up or you know like college kids jumped on the scooters and that's the moment we realize it's beyond just hey this is a niche market that uh, some subgroup likes it and it's a fact well, how do you differentiate from the other scooter companies? Because you're all using kind of the same four or five designs, mostly from Xiaomi, I think. And I, you know, I think the limes are better because they have speedometers. But the product, I mean, the experience of riding a scooter is fundamentally the same. How do you differentiate against a bird or whatever Uber's doing or you know, the, the many other companies that exist? Yeah, first, the, uh, uh, I need to clarify one thing, that we're the, probably the only company that uh, do vertical integration, meaning that we tightly, similar to Apple, we tightly integrated with you know the suppliers, with the uh, design houses, as well as mm -hmm. manufacturers as well. So we have a dedicated team that which I built starting day one, roughly about 80 people right now in China, dedicated to the scooter designs, testings, manufacturings, as well as firmware development and quality controls. And what that gave us is we're the actually the probably one of the only that does not use Xiaomi or Naiba scooters. Mm -hmm. That all the scooters you see on the street today are designed by us and also manufactured by our exclusive manufacturing partners. So it's a little bit confusing, but if you look at our scooters, it's nothing like any others. Mm -hmm. And and we don't use uh, Xiaomi or Naiba at all. Let me push you on that a little bit. So that obviously increases yeah. your cost, right? I mean, if you're paying to develop the scooter, you're not taking the commodity one and rebranding it. Your, your, your cost per scooter has to be higher than your competitors. What is the return on that investment? Do you see people say, well, I like these scooters so much better? Are you measuring it? Are you thinking about it? Yeah, I think the, uh, the few things that I wanted to share here, that the philosophy of the company is that what we should focus on, right? We should focus on, uh, and we made a determination that we'll focus on user safeties and user experience. And that's what we should focus mm -hmm. on. And everything that we invest in there, that will be, you know, making us a better company. And the second part is that uh, in terms of the scooters, the Scooter is a relatively short and new industry, so there's nothing called a heavy-duty scooter or or a shared scooters. There's no such a product is suitable for share at all, and mm -hmm. we have to create it by our own. And therefore, we went on the journey to 
to uh, work our own designs, do the iterations, and came up with new generations after new generations. And in this particular point, it's very interesting. I think, you know, a personal scooter that like Xiaomi or Ninebar, which everyone else is using, that they're designed for personal use. They're mm-hmm. not designed for longevity. They're not designed for abuse. They're not designed to be sit on the street 24-7. They're not designed to withhold the, uh, you know, heavy kind of transportings or yeah. sharings. And, and those things will gradually contribute to the two things we care the most. One is safety concerns. The other is the user experience. Uh, I don't have the number of our, you know, peer competitors, but yeah. I, my guess is that we our cost is actually lower than them and our longevity of the uh, scooter life is X time longer. And that's the uh, just based on public available data. So you're saying you you spend the money up front on engineering, your cost per scooter is higher, but they actually last longer and they have a better user experience. That's that's the that's the bet. Actually, I think our cost is even lower. Really? That's how, yeah. How, if you think about you know <laughs> Apple compare some other manufacturers, by retail is always the most ex- expensive option you will have. How long are the scooters lasting right now on average? We don't d- disclose the, uh, the <laughs> details yet. We're <laughs> still working on that. But I, I think let me ask you this then. I'll rephrase. Yeah. I'll rephrase. Um, yeah. I, I I spoke with um, the CEO of Bird, Travis Vanderzanen, uh, recently, and he told me that they've determined that their scooters need to last on average around six months in order to break even. Would you say it's similar, less so, more so? How would you compare? I think that you are touching upon two questions. I will address them uh, separately. The first thing is that we already have quite a few cities that are profitable, so that gives you a hint that, <laughs> you know, in terms of longevity of the scooter as well as our business model, that is not we determined what we want to, right, that we have. And the second part, we are looking at some of our scooter fleet, which we have iterations after iterations that already achieved that. Uh, six months? The later version will be even better. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Brad Bow from Lime. Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn. It's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Design for work. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, 
Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We're back with Brad Bow from Lime. Just going back to what you said about about safety, I, I had a question and how Lime approaches the safety issue because obviously it is a concern. I don't think that there's really an, an easy solution to how you sort of guarantee safety for a product that is uh, supposed to be about convenience and availability and obviously the prices is, is uh, attracting people based on how low it costs to use. So I'm wondering how you how your company is approaching the issue of safety and if there's any sort of innovative ways of looking at uh, how you can sort of promote safety in a way uh, that, you know, encourages people to use helmets um, while also not sort of, you know, uh, uh, making it a less convenient service to use. It just seems like if, if the idea is to spread scooters everywhere so that people can just pick them up and use them um, when it's the most convenient and sort of on a whim, it's going to be really difficult to sort of have a safety issue go along with that. And I'm just wondering sort of how you sort of approaching this challenge. Yeah, uh, is it the, uh, you, you're asking really, really great question. Uh, the safety is the number one thing for us as a company. And I think that when it comes to mobility, that safety is the baseline, right? That without that, nothing matters. And that's why that we focus so much on it. And the and also in the mobility space, I think the uh, safety is a result of a combination of different things. And in this case, that uh, we are not only doing our part, but also working very you know proactively and and aggressively with uh, authorities, with cities, with you know urban planners, and also with community as well. That I'll give you uh, a few examples that how we approach that. First of all, right, that you know when it comes to mobility, that uh, no one can guarantee the safety. But it's a combination of things we can further improve it and make it a much safer than any other means of transportation. And that's what we're aiming for. On the hardware side, that's the reason that we, you know, build a very extensive team and working on the customer, uh, customized hardware and further improve on the hardware and also our own operation side. On the other hand, that we launched a, you know, Respect the Right campaign. We devoted uh, over $3 million for the marketing outreach and education side. And we we gave away more than 250,000 helmets to help on in improving the safety. And the other part, I, I think the interesting thing is that when we look at data really helps. When we look at some of the data that the, the safety concern and quite a bit of that also is a result from uh, infrastructures that we are sharing, the, proactively sharing the data with the city and help them to do better planning where that bike lane should be, right? How wide it will be. And we can share them with the data that we have seen very positive change in many cities that we, uh, we're working with. You know, Paris, Austin, Seattle, Portland, you name it, right? There are many cities has been leverage the data we shared and started putting and improving infrastructures. And the, the other few things that uh, I wanted to, you know, share here that uh, on the technology side, with a service, a connected service like ours, that there's so much more we can do. You know, work, working on drunk driving detections mm -hmm. that we can just slow down the vehicle where we detect that irregular, you know, driving. Wait, are you going to like have a breathalyzer? 
Uh, no, I, I think there are better ways to do it. The uh, take one thing for example, right? Our scooters have uh have scooters have all kinds of sensors. One of the sensors could detect whether it's driving in a straight line or whether it's like making irregular, you know, wobbling and turns. <laughs> so you can you can tell if someone's impaired if they're if they're wobbling and you'll you'll slow them down. That's right. We'll do the warning. We can slow it down. We're still working on it, not fully uh, launched, but that's an example of many things that we're improving right now. Uh, on the issue of, of data, I'm glad that you brought that up because, uh, I'm, as I'm sure you know, that there's this issue going on right now in the city of Los Angeles where they're um, fighting uh, a couple of the scooter companies on, on access to more data from from uh, based on location sharing and this concept around uh, the mobility data specification. And I'm wondering, uh, has Lime waded in on this at all? Because it's just for the uninitiated, it's about basically providing data to cities about where the scooters are being unlocked and then where they're being locked again. So it's about the pickup point and the drop-off point. And there are privacy people who have concerns that that's giving cities too much data about users. And so I'm wondering where you where Lime comes down on protecting the privacy of, of your users while also providing enough data to the city so that they can make these determinations about bike lanes and things like that. Yeah, totally. The uh, data data pri- and the privacy is another very key thing for us as a company. That's the responsibility we have for the users as well as for the cities and community as well. That, you know, we we definitely waiting in and also working together with uh, with the city of LA to uh, on the data uh, standards I think there's always a balance we have to strike right the demand for um, the city side and the protection of the users and what we think they makes the most sense is that how we gonna utilize the data and what matters and what does not and in this case for the urban planners and which we do share data with the city that for urban planning for monitoring the traffic that I think it's very valuable that we share the data with the city and help them to, you know, further improve uh, the urban transportation. And in this case, that is not one company or the city alone that can do this. It's a combination of things and a collaboration among us. We should share that the where the traffic patterns are and when and where that most of the trips happens. But we don't need to and the city does not need to know who is the individual took those trips. So aggregate data that does help on urban planning side and help to fight the uh, traffic congestions, but that does not necessarily reveal the user, you know, privacy or identities. Well, that can be a little bit hazy, though, right? Because it's been shown that even with aggregated data, you can sort of pick out points and, and sort of still track certain people based on uh, the number of you know times that they use a specific route, especially if they're you know, picking up a, a scooter that's right outside their home, for instance. How can you sort of guarantee that your your user's privacy is being protected here? On that particular, you know, uh, front, that this industry is relatively new. You know, we and also city alike that we're exploring what's the best options, and we will take all that into considerations. And the second part, that this is not that unique. You know, our cell phones knows exactly where we are and how that data is protected. Google Map, you use it every time, how that is protected. And that is some 
uh, best practice and learnings that we can have and apply that to the situation we have. The key thing is that all about the future of urban mobility, how if we know where it should be and if we know that there are certain steps that we have to take to get there, including like you leveraging data to do a better planning, then we need to figure out a way that while protecting the user privacy and still make the data valuable and also available to the uh, stakeholders. So I think this gets to the big question, which is you're obviously very passionate about the, the future of mobility. The scooters are great. I, I mean, I, I do love them, but they're very controversial, right? Some say, <laughs> I live in a city that just won't allow them. I was just in uh, Austin for South by Southwest, very controversial in that city. I was in Portland, very controversial in that city. How are you trying to figure out the balance between pushing forward your vision that you're you're obviously passionate about, along yeah. with you know people really like these products, next to well there are scooters all over the streets and they're tipped over and people don't always take care of them. There's data tracking issues. There is people throw them in rivers for some reason, which is like the funniest trend. How are you managing that big controversy to push forward your vision? Totally. That's a big and great question. That <laughs> one, one of the things that Lime does things slightly different uh, is, the, I, I would say, is obsessed with the vision, obsessed with customers. And that means that when we think about, you should take a look at what the future looks like. Mm-hmm. And then we walk back, say, what is available today? What is missing? Is the technology ready or not? And then step by step, we build towards that. In this case, that there are many things that I think anything new that it will be considered as some way of nuances and the result of like we as companies, we're still learning, right? How do we do proper parkings? We tried many things. We'll keep on improving and experimenting things. Like, you know, for example, we ask users to take a photo mm-hmm. uh, of their parking job. And then we will, you know, use image uh, recognitions and other ways to to validate that, right? That's one, one of the examples. And we have sensors we can detect whether the scooter is fell over or not. And that can help us address those questions. So technology is advancing our own product and service and operation is advancing. And those are the things that the help us to do a better job, not just provide a very convenient ride, but also take into consideration of the cities, the landscape, as well as the communities. And the second part, I think, is a also, we I believe that we also carry the mission that not only just to serve our users, but also serve the city and communities. So the approach we take are in two folds, I would say. The first part is to gradually roll out, right? Not like say, hey, let's just bombard the city with like 100,000 scooters and call it done. But that, but wait, wait, that, but that's how it feels. But I just want to, that's really interesting you said that. That is how a lot yeah. of people feel about the scooters, that they were bombarded with them. And that's how it started, too, it seems like, at least initially, until cities really sort of caught on and realized what was happening and then, um, you know, started confiscating and, 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 pounding, <laughs> and pounding the scooters and, and, forcing, and forcing the companies to, you know, agree to certain parameters and to receive permits and things like that. So, But it definitely started out that way where you would just sort of bombard a city and then... So you're, you're walking that back a little bit. New strategies. Let's take take a look at a few things as the you know numbers that will probably speak the the best for it. That mm-hmm. uh, let's take San Antonio for example. We roughly have about a thousand to two thousand scooters in the in the city, and it because it's new that it costs a lot of attentions. Guess how many cars we have in San Antonio parking on the street? 
we have roughly about a million cars <laughs> parking on the street every single day, and they're in different shape. They, you know, some are parked well, some are not. Right, different colors, and they all, you know, <laughs> make a lot of noise and give a lot of pollutions. In that regard, is that really a Number thing, or is there a perception thing? So that goes to the second fold that、uh, is focused on a, uh, uh, community outreach and education as well. That, in the sense of like, if the communities does not see this as a positive thing to the community that help to reduce congestions and pollutions, then I think we failed half of our mission. And that's what we also focus on with the、uh, you know respect the right campaigns and give out helmets and also、uh, community education events that we do. I think the thing that strikes me the most is even you put out a thousand or two thousand scooters. That's a thousand or two thousand pieces of hardware that you've deployed in the city. They have batteries and wheels, and they fall over, and you got to charge them. And that means you you need to have people who do that work too. Are you thinking about That group of people and making them, you know, actually part like Lime employees. Are you are you saying that's going to be distributed, crowdsourced work as well? Are you thinking about how how to improve their jobs? Like just managing that many pieces of hardware. Vergecast listeners probably think about this all the time. Like managing <laughs> that many pieces of hardware is difficult and it's dangerous too. Sometimes I've spoken to some of the.、Uh, do you guys you guys call them juicers? Right? Is that correct? <laughs> That's an incredible name.、Uh, yeah. yeah, which is perfect because it goes so well with you know lime. Lime. Yeah, but tell、uh, me yeah. about、uh, the life of a juicer. How do you how do you improve it? Yeah, I think the、uh, you know what we have is we have dedicated folks for focusing on the safety issues and emergencies or you know the service level agreement that we have with the city and probably we were the、uh, the first. I'm not sure is the only or not, but we were the first to to provide that and to ensure that all the vehicles are checked regularly and make sure they're safe. And the you know you're right, right? As a new business, that our Service is more than just the hardware alone. It's a entire service layer behind it to support it. Make sure they are、uh, checked. Make sure they're safe. Make sure they're placed at the right place. Make sure there's, you know, folks that pick up the scooters when they show up at the wrong places. Make sure that we have custom support to support it, and also insurances, many other things that goes into it. And when it comes to recharging, so that given the nature of the business, that they're so. Let's say distributed, and it will be difficult to have a central operation to do that. I think gig economy is nothing new, and that's、mm-hmm. the same reason as why that you know food ordering deliveries that are are you know utilizing the gig economy, Uber utilize the、uh, crowdsourced drivers since they're distributed, right? It's very different from a centralized service. And what we are working on is to help, you know, the the juicing we call it, <laughs> the juicing. <laughs> work that more pleasant, safer, and also help them to engage and support each other. We have the team dedicated to support them, and the what we were touched was the stories we heard about the、uh, the life as a juicer. That if you think about the our typical type of、uh, you know juicing, that is happens at night, right? So it's not competing with the day job. It's not competing even with Ubers or food order de- ordering deliveries. That at the peak hour is. Really, a flexible economic, you know, opportunity for a lot of folks. That's heartwarming. It is also some deeply cyberpunk shit, right? Like, say, <laughs> right? Like, it, it's 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 a new thing, and the fact they're called juicers is wild. And someone should write a novel about it. Give me an example of a concrete step you've taken to sort of make it better for the people who are 
servicing all these scooters. Yeah, one latest thing that which is from the product side, I'll, I'll share with you. The is very interesting. So what we found is that the some of the conflict, since if if we think about the juicers, they don't really know each other in the real life. That the then the conflict is that a bunch of juicers going after the same scooter, right? And to them is cash. Yeah. That if if you got a few folks that coming for the same cash, you got conflicts. And what we did is that we hear them. Uh, discuss with them and then we launched a reserve feature so the user can claim that scooter and avoid that kind of like you know conflict on the mm -hmm. street and that's one thing we did and the second thing that we, we did is that we have a dedicated team that is supporting them so you know juicers are our users in a way that the, uh, we're not only making their you know app experience match better and give them more accurate GPS locations launching the service uh, the service and features that help them to do the juicing work much more efficient but also we have a dedicated support team and we have also juicer community management that they feels they belongs to a group that's supporting mm -hmm. each other and they have a lot of things in common right that i think you know the the economic opportunity we provide back to the community is we provide it to every single local community we're operating in and there are certain type of folks that found it really attractive and in many cases that actually without knowing each other you know directly or indirectly that it becomes a competition but without with knowing each other a little bit more that becomes a support group if you would yeah you said you had four generations of the hardware what are the things you've improved what are the big changes as you've started to iterate this product yeah, well, there's a lot, right? I'm also in charge of products, so the list goes probably a thousand lines in terms of the improvement <laughs> we make. But in a short, right, that the I think the few things that one of them is safety. That if you look at the the latest version, Gen Gen three that we just launched, that we increase the wheel size much bigger and much wider, and that's to fight back on the cracks and also potholes that we often encounter in the city. And we add uh, the uh, suspensions the, to, to, uh, to the vehicle, make sure that not only the, this is a much better and smoother ride, but also uh, the is safer when, when it comes to like speed bumps or whatnot and make the gravity, central gravity much lower. So mm -hmm. the, the ride will be much more stabilized. So safety is number one. Number two is user experience. And we add quite a bit of things, including status lights, tell user from afar that whether the scooter is available or not, right? Whether it's out of battery or under maintenance. And that's more focused on the user experience side. And the third thing that uh, we add more advanced sensors, and that goes back to, you know, take into consideration that com communities and the folks that does not use our scooter yet, that you know, how do we detect the scooter fail over? How do we know where it's parked at the wrong place? And the sensors will help us to do that and make our uh, operation better. And the last part is really durability. So we further enhance on the durability uh, of our scooter, even though we're already much longer than the uh, the other folks, that we'll still keep on improving that. I think to Lime, the most important thing is not about us versus competitors or whatnot. It's we together that really promoting and, and providing the, the very affordable and available service to the users and also further educate the uh, community why this is beneficiary uh, to everyone, beneficial to everyone of us and then work with city to improve that. And it's more about how we improve 
compared to ourselves yesterday. So we will keep on innovating, we'll keep on improving. The focus we should have is what a urban mobility will look like in the future. It has to be much nimble and smaller and tailor to personal travels, not a seven-seater, five-seater car that take one person across the street. It has to be shared in order to reduce the uh, occupation of the public space, right? Much smaller and also shared. It has to be electric powered and it has to be something that's not only very affordable, accessible, but also, you know, readily available. So that's reliable for all the users when they whenever they need it. And those are the things that we want to achieve, but we're still far away from that. So uh, Lime will devote and dedicate all the time, keep on the innovating yeah. part, and it'll keep on working with cities. Do you think this market's winner-take-all? I mean, you have competitors who certainly think it's winner-take-all or there, there'll be a duopoly. There were a lot of car-sharing services, and now there's two. There are a lot of scooter companies. Do you think there's always going to be a lot of scooter companies or just one or two? I think the nature of the business does, it's so complicated, it will be hard for smaller players to, to uh, really survive. And even today that we are still keep on improving on the uh, durability of the scooters, the operating efficiencies and all kinds of things, right? So I won't say it will be a winner take all, but I think there will be limited players that are going to the, uh, into the future that will be providing majority of the service. And I think that also is... Uh, good for the user as well, instead of like struggling, you know, which one to take, right? There's always a reliable and, and a available service for them. But that is based on one condition that a company itself has to have a very strong values that <laughs> not to, you know, abuse the uh, <laughs> leadership position. We are the leader uh, globally uh, in terms of the scooter right now, but we'll keep on reminding ourselves and our entire team that what is the vision and the mission of the company and what are the values that we live by? So I'm sure you just saw, but um, Bird just increased its per minute charge in a couple of key markets, Los Angeles, Detroit, and a, and a few others. Is Lime going to be looking at uh, fluctuating some prices uh, down the road as well, do you think? First of all, that the uh, you know I said a three things. Well, I always wanted to simplify things for for folks to easy to remember. I said the three A's that for us as a company to focus on improving. You know, the uh, the first is availability, right? Whenever you need it, wherever, whenever, and however you want it. And the second part is accessibility, and therefore the we launched like non credit card payment, we launched uh, non smartphone unlocks, and other things for to increase accessibility. And the third thing that we we committed on is to provide a, a affordable transportation means. So we'll keep on fo focusing on that. And does that mean that we don't we will commit on the current price? I, I think we will do some experimenting as well. Since what is the right price? Nobody knows today, right? We arbitrarily said, hey, 15 cents a minute, and everyone follows, and that's what we have today. So I think finding the right balance is the answer. It could be higher, it could be lower, it could be dynamic, it could be, uh, you know, based on the market. That I, I think the, uh, the experiments is required, and data will tell us what will be the right balance. But... Meanwhile, that I, I don't think that the we would ever change that our mission to create a service that's affordable to the majority. I have a very important final question <laughs> for you, and sure. that is, why do all the scooter companies have four-letter names? Because we started with Lime. Oh, I see. And everyone just copied. <laughs> that doesn't make no, any I'm sense. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I think there are 
uh, it probably easier to to pronounce or not that the uh, the but we started definitely the one you know, one of the earliest. Uh, we started yeah. with Lime, and it probably helps other folks to think through it. But then we got also you know some of the names. I I won't even read into that. It's just like random to me. <laughs> <laughs> when you see the bird people at like conferences, are you do you like stare them down? Are you friends? Do you do you knock over birds when you see them on the street? Definitely not. And, and, <laughs> and, and that's one of the code we as a company, we have as well. You have to follow what the code. What you will see yeah. that I can share with you, this is very interesting, that uh, I visit a lot of markets. And when we see the bird or the scoot or you know other companies, uh, scoot affair on the street or in the wrong place, we will move them to the right place and lift them up. And that is a culture that we at Lime that are uh, implementing into the entire company that is about urban mobility and it's about how we make it the future better. Then it doesn't matter if a scooter is lying in the middle of the street. It's not good for the urban mobility. It's not good for the future. And we will help to correct that. Of course, we will not go to, you know, all the way, do nothing else but do that. But if we pass by them, that we will. Yeah. Correct them, and you will see that happen at you know every market. In the end, we are all juicers. <laughs> <laughs> I think again that the future, you know, mobility. If you look at it, right, it's not us will be able to do it alone. It's a combination of us, our peers together, pushing for the right vision. It's our collaboration with the cities. It's the the communities and even the non-users that they embrace this vision. They embrace that this city needs less cars, more shared mobilities that's greener, healthier, as well as less pollution. If they don't, that it will be really difficult for us to get there. Are you going to bring these to New York? Because I'm dying. <laughs> yeah, we we definitely are. But we are again that we work with city to plan the uh, the proper launch. So we're still uh, working with city on the New York City. We just launched, I think, one of the we launched in Hapoka. Okay. Which is so already the sixth borough across the river. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take a a, a a lime through the tunnel. That's gonna be great. Through the battery tunnel. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> just go for it. <laughs> you need a R.I.P. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, do you have a, Do you have an ETA in New York? Initial discussion was around the summer to do a pilot, but I think the as you mentioned, right, there are regulations need to be changed before we can launch, and those regulations was I believe was established in the 1930s. That for mopeds, for gasoline mopeds, and yeah. it's just outdated. And the city knows that, we know that the it's just a process if you need to be go through to in order to change that. It's not unique to New York. There are quite a few other places. Miami was like that, and they changed it last year. And similar to many other cities as well, countries that Germany is like that, but Germany is going to change it in July this year, or actually earlier than that, before the summer. Okay, so I'm looking for sometime late summer maybe in New York? I hope so. Yeah. Well, that's as good a place as any to end it. Thank you so much, Brad, for coming on. Really appreciated the time. Thank you for all the time you have you know, with me and uh, appreciate all the questions. All right, that was Brad Bow, co-founder and executive chairman of Lime. Thank you to Andrew Hawkins for joining me and asking better questions than me. I love having Verge reporters on the show because they're all smarter than me. Uh, we love getting your feedback on these interview episodes. So tweet at me. I'm at Reckless. Tell me who you want to talk to. Tell me what topics you want to cover. Uh, this is just an amazing chance to stretch out and really get into it with people. So love your feedback. I want to go where you want me to go. So hit me up. I'm at Reckless. We got the regular Vergecast coming up for you on Friday. Another interview episode on Tuesday. We'll see you then.
thanks to Canva for their support. Canva wants to make your presentations come as easy as those thoughts that pass through your head. And thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.